Episode of In the Midnight Hour podcast with your lovely hosts, Keller, Lauren, and we're back on the couch this evening <laughs> after going down the Reddit hole, <laughs> which was an interesting episode. Yes, <clears throat> a fun one. Yes, it was. It was light and fun. Yeah, we struggled though behind the scenes. We were struggling that episode. It was just, it was like the timing, scheduling. We were both tired. We just, you know, we wanted to get it done, though. Yeah, it was uh, It was good. It was enjoyable. Yeah. So, um, thank you if you listened to it and you made it all the way through. So, getting to this episode, which this is episode number five, as you can tell by the title, but getting to this episode has been... A monumentous task has been a whirlwind of emotions, sickness, thinking we might just have to not record it. It's been a lot. Ever since Thursday night, but especially Friday, I just came down with a nasty sinus infection. And I have been on the struggle bus all week, pretty much feeling like absolute shit. Um, not doing anything much except for sitting on the couch because that was like all I had the energy to do. Um, so yeah, that was terrible. And then we kept putting the episode off because Sunday night was like the worst night that I felt. And that was when we usually record episodes. So we knew that that was not going to be an option Sunday um, to record it. And then Monday came around and I was like, I told myself, you know, we're going to record it. We're going to do it. And then Monday came and, and I was like, I just can't do it, Keller. And so we push it off and then Tuesday came around and here we are and it's Wednesday and we drop the podcast every Thursday. We're finally recording it. And I was going to just do it by myself. We're back. We're back in the saddle. You're feeling a little better. Yeah, I would say that I'm feeling a little bit better. I still feel, you know, just kind of gross and tired, but nothing like how I felt this, you know, earlier this week. So, <clears throat> yeah, you've been living off Theraflu and oh god, I've went through mo- like an entire pack of daytime Theraflu, an entire pack of Mucinex, uh, the fast relief or whatever it's called. Can I just say the VIX uh, Kleenex, VIX-infused Kleenex is a yeah, game changer. Yeah, those are a game changer. We got those from CVS, and I always try to get the ones. <coughs> God, see, the sickness is coming through. <coughs> I always try to get the ones that have, like, some kind of, like, I always get the soft ones, but then I like to get the ones that have some kind of extra in them. And I saw these, and I think I'd gotten them before. I don't know. It's been a minute. But, yeah, they're like they're like that menthol-y, 
minty feeling in your nose. So every time you wipe your nose, not only is it super soft, but it's also like just refreshing. You feel like you can breathe for two seconds. But the biggest game changer of all, if you get a sinus infection anytime after listening to this, buy a neti pot. Buy a neti pot because there were days like Sunday where my ears were so congested that I was about to have a panic attack. And if you've had that feeling of your ears and your nose and your sinus pressure where it feels like your head's going to explode, you know what I'm talking about. Shout out to Anna Kelly in Charleston having a mental breakdown because of her <laughs> congestion. But a neti pot. Because I, I was like looking up solutions online of how to figure, like what to do. Because the medicine just wasn't doing a good enough job. And it said over-the-counter medicine, obviously, or, you know, antibiotics. But also it suggested a neti pot. So that clears up <clears throat> nasal Nasal congestion, and that's so the nasal congestion and the ear congestion is directly connected. So it's actually a navage, which is like a fancy, but it's yeah, it's like a nicer neti pot. It blows the water through your nose. It's electronic. Yeah, I cannot do it. Yeah, Keller's not a fan, but I think water will be coming out of my mouth, my eyes. Well, I think that every time you've done it, I think that one we haven't used the distilled water with you. That ain't gonna make a difference. It does. I could use Gatorade, and I, I just be like, like as soon as it turns on, it's like, and I'm just like, <laughs> I just started choking. <laughs> but no, I, I, I'm telling you, I have done that like multiple times a day, ever since I looked that up online, and I always forget that we have it for some reason. I won't forget now. It is nice. And when you're done, you can see all your little boogies floating. All your snot, yeah, which is kind of grossly satisfying. You drink it afterwards? No. Ew, what is wrong with what you? Is that, what is that? What is that elixir to make you better? I would drink it. You would drink it? Yeah. If your if, snot water? if they said do a neti pot right at the beginning of you getting sick and then drink the snot water and you won't, you'll be done. Like right there in that moment, you'll be cured. Oh, yeah, I'd drink it then. Oh, anyway. I would drink my own pee if it was like. You won't have to have a, the sinus infection because my sinus infections are like having the flu and they last for a full week, sometimes longer. I mean, it's it's almost been a full week now, so well, this shit sucks. Well, I've avoided it. Thank goodness. Knock on wood. Yeah. I've steered clear of the Usually you get the deep infection. winter sinus, like the January, I, February. I mean, I don't want to jinx myself, but I rarely get sick. But when I do get sick, I get sick. <laughs> yeah, you're. He's like out on the couch, can't function. Yeah, I get, I get Which, down for the count when I get sick. I get sick a lot because I have an autoimmune disease and I get sick badly. But we're back, baby. Yeah, we're pushing through the adversity, the obstacles. Okay, but today. We're going to be doing a spooky episode, spooky-ish. It's not like scary, you know, but it's spooky themed. And it's going to be just kind of laid back and chill. We're just going to be talking. We're going to be chatting. But, um, yeah, so we're ready to get into it. Are you ready to get into it? I am. All right, we're going to be talking about villains. Motherfucking villains today, okay? <laughs> Keller throws up the devil horns. 
Um, I guess the devil is an iconic villain. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the villain to end all villains. So we're just going to, I have made a list and like I said, I thought that I was going to be doing this solo. So I have come up with a list of some of my favorite villains in no particular order, no ranking. And Keller's just kind of going to go back and forth with me on it. And we're going to talk. Let's do it. About it. All right. So villain number one. Ghostface. Do you know who Ghostface is? There's a rapper, Ghostface Killer. That's not the I same. That's not the same, but good try. Okay. Is it the Nick Cage character from Easy, uh, Ghost Rider? Nope. <laughs> you just said the name of that one. His Ghost Rider. Uh, I didn't know if, if the movie was Ghost Rider, but he was Ghostface. No, no. Ghostface. I feel like that's like... like <laughs> a really pale white girl getting bullied in school like fucking ghost face bitch no that's what they say to her no this is like truly a very iconic modern how do i not villain. know about this I, mean, I, don't, I don't i don't watch you do know you do know i don't watch horror because when movies. i tell you <coughs> you're gonna i don't like horror <laughs> well, i don't watch horror that much no i he... know pe- i know people are gonna shame me for that Okay, just to give a little side story. Um, yeah, life I grew is, up loving horror movies. Life is scary enough. I don't need to be scared anymore. I agree with that now, but growing up, especially in high school, I loved horror movies. I considered it my favorite genre of movies. I have watched all the classics, all the new ones, all the, you know, New Age, Jordan Peele, Hereditary. All I've watched all of it. I, I like the. I mean, I like Saw. Okay, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I like Saw. I like the Jordan Peele stuff. I like psychological. I don't like jump scares. I don't really like jump scares. Okay, well, so so Keller did not grow up with the same affection for horror movies, but since we've been together, we went and saw a movie. It was. Coming from someone who's a horror movie aficionado, is that how you say that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, We saw this movie, and it was called Winchester. It was not good. It wasn't a good scary movie. It wasn't a good movie movie, okay? But it was just fun, fluffy, entertaining, you know, popcorn-type movie. I loved it. And Keller fucking loved that movie. (laughs) Like obsessed like literally to this day he's like winchester that movie was the shit that slapped and top 10 greatest horror movies of all time. <laughs> and, and john carpenter's halloween winchester right up on it yeah so he loved it and it kind of gave him a new sense a new feeling towards the horror genre yeah i'm like maybe maybe, maybe not i do like horror yeah i have my horror awakening yeah, which we've all been there, and, well, I guess not everybody, but, you know, some of us, you know, John Carpenter's Halloween or Scream or whatever was oh, our... God. I think that's why I don't like horror movies is because when I was probably 10, Well, let, hold on, let me stop you. Let me bring you back. Ghostface is the main villain of Scream. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know this motherfucker. <laughs> So, so what is your story with Scream? I know this goofball. With Ghostface? So, 
when I was like 10, I think 10-ish, my mom and I rented Scream, the first Scream. Mm-hmm. I, I guess this is when it first came out. It was in Blockbuster. We went, <clears throat> rented Scream. Mm-hmm. We were going to watch this movie together. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the big caveat. Yes. <clears throat> and so she starts the movie, and probably five minutes into the movie, she just gets up and starts, <laughs> like, cleaning around the house and, like, just leaves me. <laughs> and I, you know, so I'm just watching this movie as a little kid, and I guess I watched the whole thing. I don't really remember all you I don't know. even really have to watch the whole thing. You just have to watch the first scene, and it that's enough to, like... And I think it was, like, broad daylight. I don't think it was at nighttime or anything. Yeah. It was just in the middle of the day. And yeah. so, as a little kid, I watched this movie, and I was traumatized. Mm-hmm. I was so scared. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I already had a fear of breaking and entering and, like, murderers. Yeah. Of, of people killing you. You know, not so much paranormal, but like people breaking your house and killing you. Yes. And your family. Yeah. I already had a slight fear of that. I'm I'm that way t- still to this day. I don't really fear like paranormal stuff. I do fear like a literal human being breaking into my house. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So that traumatized me to the point where I couldn't go to sleep at night. Hardly at all for probably a good two years. I would sit in my bed and sweat at night and think about two somebody. Years. It it was over that, but like the 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 worst part of it was for pro- two probably years. a year. I would yeah. say the worst part where I would wake, I would lay awake every night. I would, I mean, I would wouldn't and get a lot of sleep. How old were you? Night. Middle school. I mean, I don't. Rem- I was probably. Somewhere you're like I was 18 years old. Somewhere between <laughs> five and 57. <laughs> no, I was probably 10 or 11, 12 years old, and uh, yeah, I would just lay awake in my bed at night and sw- I would sweat through my clothes or through my underwear in the bed, my pajamas in the bed. <laughs> I would sweat, and I would just <laughs> think about somebody coming and killing me, and I would just, I couldn't go to sleep. And it lasted for like a year. I'd have, I'd have nightmares and I would just freak out. Mm. Yeah. I and it lasted for at, uh, after the year. I mean, it went on for a good maybe three or four years after that where I was still like really, really afraid that somebody was going to come in. And I, it I would was think about it at night. Specifically, like you would, would you conjure ghost face, like the face of that? Or was it just the idea of like it, the movie of someone like breaking in and killing you? In the beginning, it was ghost faced. Okay, that was the manifestation of it. In the beginning, I was like, this dude is going to come kill me. Okay. Any second okay. Yeah. now. But then it just turned into an overarching theme of... Someone's going to break in and kill me. Someone's going to break in and kill me. Okay. They don't necessarily have to have the screen mask on. Okay. But well, I was really afraid of the scream guy for a while. Yeah. Well, I, so I kind of had a similar story where. Like, I remember when we went to the, we would go to the family uh, Halloween gathering every mm-hmm. year. And, like, if a little kid, like a little girl who was like five years old had a scream <laughs> mask, I'd be like, I'm about to punch this bitch in the <laughs> face. I don't want to see no scream mask. Get out of here, you little <clears throat> bitch. But yeah, Ghostface. Now I know who you're talking about. That, yes. I think that was what scarred me f- 
from horror movies for all this time until Winchester <coughs> and the lovely Helen Mirren came along. Yes, yeah, and and, and Winchester is a paranormal movie. It's not a breaking house. What breaking house? It's not a breaking and entering story. <laughs> um, yeah, so I had a similar story with Scream. I was in middle school, probably late middle school, like seventh, eighth grade, and me and my mom. We were downstairs in the basement at the old house, and we cut Scream on, and she was like, I'm going to show you this, you know. it's It was probably like Halloween time, you know, and it was just us, and that was like definitely a big thing in our household was mom showing me, because I'm, I'm the oldest of my siblings, was showing me all of her beloved movies and so she was a big fan of horror movies too and so we watched Scream and I remember like so vividly the opening scene of Drew Barrymore getting the call she's making the popcorn it's the old school popcorn on the stove and it's getting hotter and hotter and like the steam's like going through it. It's like the building the tension, the noise of it is like, like, yes, yes. The tension is rising and she gets the the phone call and it's, you know, it's, do you like scary movies? Mm. <clears throat> what an iconic line and an iconic villain. Oh, well, the mask and everything. So iconic. I remember, uh, when I was a kid and, they had the screen mask, but they had the ones that had a little pump and you could pump blood out, out of it. <laughs> oh, my God. Remember, remember that one? No. Uh, it had like a layer where the blood would come down. You could just p- pump this little thing in your hand and the blood would like come down the I face. I feel like I have like maybe vague memories of that, but I don't I don't have that like super clear in my head. But anyway, sorry. No, you're fine. But yeah, so I we watched it and that opening scene, I remember. So we were sitting on a couch and I remember, like, I sat up, like, I, I, we were laying back on the couch, and I sat up, like, on the, like, truly, not just metaphorically, on the edge of my seat, and I'm, like, gripping the blankets, watching this scene, because it's, you know, it really is unlike, it, it's a slasher movie, and he's a slasher villain, but it completely flips all of the tropes on its head because it's, I would argue it's one of the first self-aware horror movies and self-aware villains. Like the villain knows that he is the horror movie villain. That's the whole reason he's doing this because he loves horror movies and he wants to be the star of his horror movie. And so he picks his, you know, his, the people that he kills out according to, classic slasher movie tropes um Mm. so yeah watching that first scene and she gets the phone call and the chase outside you know and you see it like just like the 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 classic scares of you know she's of course in a house that's built with all these glass windows and walls and the door is unlocked and all these different things that happen, it it really embedded itself in my mind. And of course I was scared. I don't think I had the same experience as you did because I then actually turned to and started really embracing horror movies after that. 
It could be anyone who does this. It could be anyone who puts on the mask. Because the killer, Ghostface in the movie, isn't like, you know, Michael Myers, where he just, like, perfectly kills people. And, like, he just walks slowly. And in the movies, he's, like, a kind of a bumbling idiot. Like, he falls around. Like, the... The people fight back against him. Like, they fuck him up a little bit. So that, it could be anyone. And he still kills people. So who did it turn out to be? <laughs> it was... One of the high school students or whatever? It, so it was the main character, Sydney Prescott, her boyfriend, and his friend, um, Stu? 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 Yeah, Stu. So there were two, uh, two? Yes. So that was the plot twist, was that... You think that it's just one person behind the mask, but it's actually two people the whole time. Two screen faces. Well, it's just one person. It's they dress up in one. Yes. Two people. Yeah. So that's how like they can. One of them can be in the room with Sydney, and then the other one can be in the costume, and then they'll switch out. It can't be Johnny. He was here with me. Yeah. When I saw him. Yeah. And, and that, but that role, that the whole thing was just so like subversive for the killer, for the genre, because the slasher genre had really died out after the 80s. People didn't give a shit about that in the 90s anymore. You saw a lot of different types of horror movies. And honestly, horror in itself in the 90s was like t- taking a huge dive in box office sales, and people weren't making a ton of horror movies. Um, Obviously, there were indie horror movies, but there just wasn't big mainstream ones anymore. And this took it and made it big again. Well, they killed it with that one. I mean, it's a huge franchise. Yeah. Um, It's one of my favorite, if not my favorite. Iconic, you know, images of a villain or, you know, horror villain out there. And, and up there with Michael Myers and Freddy and but Jason I, and all of them. I I like Ghostface even more because it can be anybody. It's like the first of all, the villain has to be smart. You know what made it better for me? What is when, when I watch scary movie and Ghostface is like, what? Up? <laughs> He's yeah. just there, just getting high. And he's like, what? Up? <laughs> but after that, I was like, all okay, right, yeah, I, I get it, yeah. But no, I. I just think that he is a great, a truly, truly great villain because he has to be smart. He has to be witty. There is... But he's also human. Yes. He's not like... He's not like a ghost or, you know, a monster underneath it. It's just a person who decided they want to be the star of the show. And that's the constant through line of Scream is that the movie is self-aware that it's a horror movie. The characters in it know their place in it. Like, oh, are you the final girl? Are you the stoner? Are you the job? Like, everyone has a role, and they kind of are all aware of it, and then it plays out in the way that you would expect it to. A classic villain. Yeah, a really, just a really good villain who has some layers to him. So... Moving on to the next villain, the Joker. One of my faves. Yeah. I think this one, 
I would argue is more universal than Ghostface. I think Ghostface is like for horror movie people. Yeah. Is like top five, maybe even top two for a lot of people. But I think the Joker occupies a sort of more universal horse or a villain space. Yeah. It's not horror. It's <coughs> yeah, it's more universal. Like yes. you're saying. It's comic book. Yes. It's movies. Yeah. It's t- the TV Joker shows. if you don't know, which I don't I mean, I'm sure you know, but he is the infamous Batman villain. And Batman has a lot of villains that he fights. But the Joker... Is it even argued that Heath Ledger was the best Joker? Is it even, like, argued, like, no, I like, uh... I don't even know who else played the Joker. Well, Joaquin Phoenix just did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was good. He was really fucking good. He was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I was thinking in in the Batman universe, in in the DC universe, Batman... When Batman is in the film... With the Joker? Yeah, yeah. You know, you're I not think thinking of Jared Leto. You're thinking of No, no. And I think that Jack Nicholson does a great job, too, but it's just he very did, different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix killed it. Yeah. So that was a great movie. He, it was. And, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But um, the Joker is a true agent of chaos. He is literally the epitome of anarchy. And he's not just a calculated, axe-wielding, you know, murderous villain. He's not a paranormal villain. He's not, you know, Hannibal Lecter. He's, He's not a sexy villain either. You know, I mean, well, I guess some people would say that in some iterations of the Joker he is, but for the most part, people Sexy don't. Joker. <laughs> for the most part, people don't look in, at him, and there's no like seductive quality to his villainy. He is pure chaos. And he's he does a it because ma- he he loves it. Yeah, he just loves. He's a madman. He's truly unhinged, and there's no. There's no like he's completely unpredictable. It's like in the Dark Knight or one of the Dark Knights. Um, well, he's only in the second one. Okay, The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Okay, so I think it was no. It's just, he's just it's just The Dark Knight because in The Dark Knight Rises is the third one because oh, okay. it's Batman Begins. Oh, okay. The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, Batman Begins. I feel like it's kind of forgotten in that series. But it is good though. In that trilogy, it is good. But it, it is, is forgotten. But he has a line where he's like, "Why would I kill you, Batman? Like, I, you know, I'm nothing without you, basically." Yeah. You know he he doesn't he he doesn't have a, a an end goal. He just wants to continue his you know his uh, tirade his his streak gallivanting of chaos. You know yeah his, yeah. And I think that he does see himself that way as like he exists as the counterpart to Batman because of what Batman, the role that he serves, I think the Joker really does see himself as like the necessary yin and yang of him. And so it's like, as long as Batman's around, the Joker is going to be around. And I think that that's true because in every iteration we see of Batman, we see a version of the Joker. We get to see a new, you know, he is a perfect compliment to Batman. Yeah. I mean, 
because he has no morals. There's no morality where Batman is like, so has such strict morals that he is almost like a punisher of morals. You know, like he enforces it in a, um, in a violent way. And I think that there's like a, there's almost like a, they, they get to be a little bit similar in that way because, and I, that's some people would always argue that they're two sides of the same coin because where the Joker enforces chaos through violence, Batman enforces justice through violence. Mm. And so there's sort of this yin and yang through them. Where are they? <laughs> Where are they? You see a little bit more of the origin story of, of why he does what he he eventually ends up doing and becomes the Joker in the Joaquin Phoenix one. Yeah. Because and he, that's he's just, just a normal one, guy, well, really. And that's just I mean, one normal, version but. of the story. Yeah, yeah. That's just one version of the story because there's a lot of different... I, not a lot, but there's different tellings of the Joker's origins and the actual comics but yeah in in the walking phoenix and the joker um yeah his origin is that he is like a, a mentally ill but normal man side note and i've told you this before the batman games the arkham series arkham games, games are kick-ass they are awesome games and i i, I had uh I had an old Batman game. I think it was when Batman Begins came out. Yeah. Um, I think it was Michael Keaton Batman. The Penguin and all that. Okay, well that's... Okay, you're talking about different Batman Begins. Because uh, there's a there's a Chris Nolan Batman Begins. No, it wasn't Chris Nolan. It was, um, it was before Christian Bale. <coughs> Whoever did... <coughs> Tim Burton? Yeah. Yeah, Tim Burton. That was one of the first little video games I had. It was on the Super Nintendo. And uh, I just remember playing that game a bunch. I don't know how this is relevant <laughs> at all, but it was uh, it was a good game. And that they make good games. The, the Arkham series are really good. I play all of them, and they're great. Well, if you need a video game recommendation, Keller has one for you. Yeah, the Joker is in it, I think. <laughs> you think? That ties it back. Yeah. But, but yeah, the Joker is very iconic villain. And again, these they don't have to be horror villains. No, no, not. this is he's, just a universal villain. And I think that they're it's the character has become larger than life because now there's this dark, jaded legacy that surrounds it because people say that the role is cursed because of what happened to Heath Ledger. And how consumed he was by the it's character. An, it's an intense role. Because he is so... It's not It's not like, oh, my goal here is to murder people. Or my goal here is to hurt people. He doesn't even care about that. There's no... He's the bigger picture villain. He wants chaos. He just wants things to fall apart. He wants to see it feels like there's no the dominoes. Rhyme, there's no rhyme or reason. Like if you if you're playing like the guy who played Dahmer, yeah, uh, you're like okay, I'm. I'm I've got to get into the killer. mindset of a serial. That, killer. That's what I do. I serial kill people. Yeah, but with the Joker, there's nothing you can hold on to. No, it's no. just like 
I, it's just pure chaos. Yeah, you have to completely change. And I think with any dark role like that, obviously it's a complete change of your mindset, of course. But I think that there's something that it's, like you said, it's just there's nothing tangible to grasp onto other than this is a madman who is beyond deranged. And it's like, how do you how do you fit into his world? Like, what do you, do you come up with your own origin story in your mind to make sense of why he does the things he does? People like to have an explanation for why villains, why bad people or why monsters do what they do. It's like, you know, were they abused as a child? Do they have the serial killer gene? Are they a psychopath? We love to psychoanalyze our villains because it helps our brain make sense of why they do the things that they do. But with the Joker, there's there's a, la- a lack of that. You know, you see with the new adaptation, like, oh, this is what happened that led him to make the choices that he did. But in most tellings of it, he's just is the way he is. And I think that that's, I think that's a hard thing for people to understand. And I think that there's like a, a, a big mystery and a larger sense of, you know, of darkness around the character because of that. Yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, the whole people into the serial killer thing they're like eh. I, I'm like why do you like to listen to shit about serial killers and they're like I like to get into psychology of it I want to see what makes his brain tick <laughs> I'm like he's crazy yeah sometimes it doesn't have to be that complicated he's nuts and yeah. so he chops up people and eats them what What the fuck uh, what, what yeah other- it doesn't I mean it's I it's guess, not his childhood. It's not whatever. Like, okay. I understand wanting to know for some reasons. It's like, how do we prevent people like that? How do we? Well, that's interesting. Like, what makes a human become so become, evil? Yeah, become evil. Yeah. I mean, become so evil. What happens? And, I mean, you can look at all these serial killers. and Yeah, I mean, some of them had a bad childhood. Some of them, you know, stuff happened along the way. And you can say, you can psychoanalyze and say, oh, well, this happened in this. And there was a perfect storm that led him to wanting to eat people's brains. Mm-hmm. But I'm from the school, just like, when it gets to that point, they're just he nuts. Just, he's just evil. There's just not crazy. really There's a... sick people in the world. And that because the end... There's people who have had traumatic childhoods. There's people who have mental illnesses, and they are not murdering people. Yeah. But with all these uh, villains, these iconic villains that we're going to discuss today, um, except maybe Ghostface, because fuck him. Um, See, I love him. Like, as an adult, I do love there's him. There's an affinity that in the cult. Uh, you, there's a, uh, it grows an affinity for these villains. Yeah. You know, you, you start to like them. Oh, we love to hate them. Or not even hate them. Like, you, you like them. Like, the yeah. Joker, the Joker, 
He's cool. Like, I mean, I know he's evil and he killed people, but like, I love the Joker. But yeah, he's we awesome. we we definitely. I don't know if this is like a humanity thing or what, but we like to find pieces of ourselves, even in the worst parts of characters. Right. Because I think that it's it makes us more sympathetic. It gives us an understanding. That kind of is what we were talking about with like we try to psychoanalyze characters and and in real life people to make sense of why they do the things they do and I am like so guilty of that so I'm not you know calling anybody out for doing that I do that on a daily basis but um yeah I think that there is we 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 love to um watch what they do we love to watch movies and books and TV shows and podcasts, we love to hear about it and read about it and do all the, you know, consume all the content because there's a lot. I have a a theory that I've seen kind of online about why we love villains so much is that villains are allowed to have multiple layers. Villains are allowed to have all these different nuances of their character. They're allowed to be sexy sometimes and have sex. They're allowed to be, they're allowed to act out on their worst thoughts and, 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 and act out revenge and do commit horrible crimes. But they're also allowed to do the things that they want when they want without apologizing. And heroes are not heroes are like their only purpose in a film or in a movie or in a TV show, I should say, but is to save the day, is to beat the villain. And so they're not... Good Good heroes have layers, but most heroes that you see are very one-faceted, one-dimensional characters. And I think that we love a villain nowadays because they usually have a better character arc to them. They usually have a better developed character. So maybe maybe it comes down to freedom. Total freedom. Yeah. Yeah. That, that maybe that's what we love about villains is it's their cathartic. expression of total freedom. Yeah. Regardless of the moral implications, implications. The... The consequences. Yeah, the consequences. It's like they do what they want when they want. Exactly. They don't live to society's rigid standards and, and that's, structure. that's... There's you know, a catharsis in that. It's like it's alluring. Oh, us. it's very alluring. That's why the the dark side is so tempting. Hmm. So the Joker, iconic villain. Yes, very much a universal, universally iconic villain. So, moving on to, I would argue, one of my personal favorites, based. but also what based. I don't even know what that means. I don't really either. <laughs> you're calling yourself out now. But if it's who I think it is, you're you're biased. Yeah, of course I'm biased, but I think a lot of people are when I tell you who it is. And also, I think it's it, this is the beyond the Joker. This is beyond Ghostface. This is ha- this villain has a legacy that will outlive and has outlived intergalactic. Oh, no, that's not who I'm about to say. okay. Never mind. (laughs) Don't spoil it. Never mind. Um, This is Dracula. 
Um, yes. Um, I think that Dracula is arguably one of the most Dracula. important, you know, long-lasting villains of all time. This is beyond, you know, this is beyond just a movie character. This is a... Well, this is mythology now. Yes, yeah. We're, we're talking about, you know, every culture, every part of the world has a myth about the blood-sucking Well, was Dracula vampire. a real guy? I think he was a real guy. I think he I th- probably uh, was. I've heard, I've heard about this before. Vlad the Impaler. Maybe so. Yeah. I think I think that was it. I didn't I know if they just Vlad made the that up to go with the Dracula story. Yeah, or if it, it was, was the other way around. If the story of Dracula was made up I think that's because who it was. of a real person. It was, yeah, I think that they said that was the original. He was the original Dracula. Well, just don't take our word for it, okay? Because we're not historians here. I don't know shit. <laughs> but we're just telling you about the character. We're not telling you about the actual historical facts here. When you go into a any Halloween store, when you watch anything about Halloween, it's like there's going to be a vampire character who's going to be semi-based off of Dracula. He's going to have the cape with the popped-up collar, the fangs. He's going to be pale. He's going to have jet black hair. Like, he's going to talk in a Russian or like a Romanian accent. I feel, I feel like there's a sexual uh well, don't, for you. Uh, for I me. Feel like there's a sexual uh undertones here. <laughs> no. We're going to get to that You're and like, my I'm, ideal man is pale, slick back hair, maybe a, <laughs> a big collar on a cape. A big collar. <laughs> you set yourself up for that. One. <laughs> uh large incisor teeth. <laughs> No, let's... Am I being too specific? Okay, let's move on. We'll get to that in a second. Okay, Keller? Okay. You're just thinking of the... uh, uh, What's the movie with Gary Oldman? The Dracula movie? Bram Stoker's Dracula? You're just thinking of Bram Stoker's Dracula. (laughs) What? (laughs) Bram Stoker. It's Stoker. (laughs) I'm just... Okay. I think there's something very timeless about a vampire. It's probably because they literally live forever. So it's, it's an old myth. I mean, it's, an it's old. very old. It's been around for hundreds of years. It started out as a mythology, an oral story, and then turned into a literal fictional story. Um, so I don't know. There may be fucking vampires out there. I don't know. Who am I, who am I to say there's not? <laughs> But I think that they've had, to me, they've had the most interesting journey as a character because they've started out as a evil, maniacal, kind of gross, you know, older man that's like, looks like a bat kind of and you know like kill literally kills people and sucks their blood and it like hides in the shadows and like you know so there's elements of that that still exist today but you can see the progress throughout the years and speaking of Bram Stoker's Dracula 
that I think uh, most people, I, I don't want to say most people, but a lot of people will argue that modernized Dracula, that took Dracula out of the shadows of the Nostafar. Nostafari? Nostaf- Nostaf- Nostafari. <laughs> ja. <laughs> My God. <laughs> but. Dracula's just smoking weed. <laughs> but Bram Stoker's Dracula modernized the character in a way that no other um, fictional work had done up to that point. That's a kick ass movie. In, in book. Movie, everything. It's all just well, I wonderful. I read, so. Uh, well, I do. I do. I'll do the reading in this relationship. But it, yes, it, it made vampires modern. It made them uh, seductive. And it made them into, it, it added layers to the character other than just being a blood-sucking, murderous, killing machine, you know. And... Speaking of the seductiveness, you can say whatever you want, but I do think that even, you know, before you even get to Twilight and Edward and, you know, before you get to the Lost Boys and you get to Interview with a Vampire and you have Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise as vampires, before you even get to that, Mm -hmm. okay, Obviously, those vampires are meant to be sexy characters. They're meant to be sexy villains. Like that, there is like, that's a big part of their character development. Before you even get there, you can go all the way back to like a Bram Stoker's Dracula. And there is undeniably an element of seduction, of sexiness to the Dracula character and to vampires as a whole. And I think that that is. There's been iterations where they take away the sexiness and they make it scary. But I think that, to me, I think that that is, it's almost like you can't take it away. It's like trying to make a vampire not have fangs or not suck blood. You know my theory on what, a big part of what makes all this Dracula sexy? Okay, good. You tell me your theory and then I'll tell you mine, so. They're rich. See, I don't. They're all rich. That, okay, they may suck a little blood. <laughs> That's what women are thinking about. They may suck a little blood, you know, kill, kill a couple people. All this is like, this he's is a good guy. strong misogyny right now. He's a good guy. You're saying that women are gold diggers. But it makes him more attractive because you don't see a broke-ass Dracula with some busted-ass shoes the tennis lost shoes boys on, just looking the, looking for the blood. lost boys were broke as fuck they lived in a fucking cave on the beach and they looked they, raggedy as hell and were they meant were they sexy were yes they, huh. excuse me. excuse the fuck out of you <laughs> okay i'm a woman and i have a womanly stance on why the dracula character is meant to be sexy in a way and part of it is that the character is not just you know in a murderous rage like Ghostface. he's not the bold anarchy of the joker he gains your trust he's a tortured soul 
He is. He is a tortured soul, okay? You can make fun of me, but he is a tortured soul. He's been alive for thousands of years. He's seen wars. He has witnessed horrific things happening. Everyone that he's ever loved has died. He is, you know, a pillar of time. He's sad. He's depressed. He's kind of emo, okay? Yes, he is a tortured soul, but he he has to gain your trust. He's he's not going to immediately kill you. He's not going to he's going to take his time, okay? And let let me explain even more. He has a mansion. Oh my god, shut up. He's like come back to my double wide. <laughs> the girl will be like, "Fuck you." <laughs> okay, clearly you've never watched True Blood. <laughs> Do they live in double wide? Yeah. And they're vampires, and people love that shit, okay? Yeah, I've never seen that. Okay. So, they have to gain your trust. They have to lure you in. You know, it's not it's not in the way that you see the other villains, where it's just outright rage and villainy. It's like, there is, like, this quiet, let me bring you in. Let me have the fireplace on. Come sit in this velvet chair. Come, let I'm me starting touch to your prove hand. my point. <laughs> we have a nice couch, Keller, and we're not rich. Velvet chair, fireplace. Keller, people in the medieval times had fireplaces, and they were peasants. <laughs> peasants did not have yeah. fireplaces. How do you think they cooked, Keller? They had burning trash. No, they didn't. How do you? Th- we have the same size of fires, a medieval peasant fireplace. No, they had a fireplace, Keller. How do you think <laughs> a they place they- that a fire was burning? Keller. <laughs> God damn it! Let me finish my my pitch, okay? So, the romanticism of Dracula. And I think this is a big point, okay? So, stay with me. Dracula, in the more modern adaptations, and I mean modern in the sense of 1900s up till now, is that he murders men, not women. What? Only men? Not, I, I wouldn't say only, but yeah, in the interview story. interview with a vampire, they're just killing everybody. Yeah, but they're also gay vampires. They're gay? Yes. What? Keller. I watched that whole movie. I totally missed that voice. <laughs> you didn't totally get the homoerotic it. kitchen? No. Yeah, they're gay. Are you like having a moment right now? <laughs> no, I just never, <clears throat> I didn't realize that. Okay, anywho, in the classic Dracula tale, is you, you see that Dracula hones in on a woman who he wants as his vampire bride, okay? Mm. He didn't kill her, though. No. He either turns her or he steals her away, okay? And he kills the men around her, and anyone who's in his way from getting this woman. And I don't care who you are. There is something innately attractive and appealing about a man who will do anything for you and because of you. Okay. I just saw this quote in another podcast today 
and they were talking about the, it's like some, you know, stupid quote somewhere where they said, women love men who are mean to the world, but good to them. So they're like, you know, they're villainous to the world, but good to them. It doesn't murder me. And men love women who are good to the world, but bad for them. Lady in the streets, but a freak in the bed. Yeah. Okay, so you're picking up what I'm putting down. Yes. And Dracula is definitely, like, the woman in the story usually is, like, super nice to everybody. And she's, like, very prim and proper. And she's, blah, 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 and she's a loner. And she reads fucking books or whatever. And, but with Dracula, she just goes feral for the dick. For the vampire D, okay? Like, she goes, Mina in Bram Stoker's Dracula is, like, willing to fucking turn into a vampire to be with his ass. She leaves her fiancé, Keanu Reeves, and she's like, I want to be with you. I want us to be together forever. I will die for the D, okay? And he is like, fuck the world. All I want is... But as you see him in his like monster form, yes, he looks like yes, fucking crazy. Yes, and she's like, "I love you anyway," and that is the romanticism. is It's almost like a Beauty and the Beast story. It's like the women want the man who is protective, not in a jealous or possessive or abusive way. They want a man who will stop at nothing to protect their relationship. And if you are a woman listening to this. I know that you are nodding your head right now. You're saying, yes, yes, okay? And he has millennia of, of fucking under his belt. Yeah, he's experienced as fuck. He knows where the clit is, okay? Not only does he know where the clit is, but he does the ABCs on the clit. He fucking goes down on your ass. He's not afraid of blood. I'm cutting all that out. He's definitely not afraid of blood. <laughs> but... That's what I'm saying is that he will do anything for you. He is a villain to the world, but not to you. Okay? Okay. Uh, there is, there is something see. various and, uh, you know, sexy about that. Now, you, you know, you do have the moral dilemma as if you become the object of Dracula's affection. You have the moral dilemma of, do I want to be with this man who I know murders people and like sucks girl, on blood? Girl, he he murdered he murdered somebody. I know he did, but he know where the clit is. <laughs> I don't even think it's like there is the sex of it, and I definitely think that's a big part of it. Is like the sex. I'm is, conflicted, <laughs> but I think it's like the it's it's what that should I do. I think it's the idea of a man who wants to be with you forever and literally says fuck the world. To do that. Mm. And you know he wants to be with you forever because he's been around forever. And he can keep you around forever. You know, he can turn you into a vampire. Yeah. So. Uh, Dracula. Iconic villain. Yeah. I mean, possibly of all time. So. Moving on. To villain number four. Frankenstein. Mm. Yeah. This is. Again, I've just got two big heavy hitters back to back. I think Frankenstein is another one that fits into that category of universal, just completely 
icon like just so deeply in pop culture. Well, really, it would be Frankenstein's monster. I was about to say that. I was just about to say that, but you, you took my line, Keller. Yeah, Frankenstein's monster. Yes, I Frankenstein like is the doctor. Shelley before. Yeah. Well, don't steal my line again. <laughs> oh, okay. Frankenstein is my favorite book of all time. Hmm. Of all time. I love that book. There's something, I don't know, but something about it just really got to me. Hmm. Got in my soul. Buried its little self in there. It's hmm. a really good read. If you've never read it, it's short. It's, I won't say it's easy, but it's a good read. Okay. Short. Yeah, it's short. Short for you. No, it's it's short for anybody. I have it on my bookshelf. You can go pick it my up. My right short now. is like Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> how how big five would you pages? Say that is? Oh, five pages. With like, God, Keller. The pictures are like three of those pages. <laughs> okay, yeah. it's not that short, but it is short for a standalone novel. But yes, Frankenstein is not the actual villain. Dr. Frankenstein, that is the name of the man who created the monster. So it's technically Frankenstein's monster. But for the sake of this conversation, we're just going to say Frankenstein because I think that's going to be easier for people who are not familiar with the book. Oh, bolt neck, motherfucker. <laughs> and again, that depiction of Frankenstein, not, not book accurate. Really? Nope. What did he look like in the book? He was made from corpses put Ooh. together. Yes. He was supposed to be horrifying. The version that they've come up with now. What if they put like a NBA player's legs on him, but he had like little short arms. <laughs> he was just walking around like couldn't pick up stuff. <laughs> he like he couldn't get his penis out of his pee. Oh my God. Of course you go to a penis He's immediately. Like, Not like, you know, he can't like. His little T-Rex arms. Jesus. That's probably why he's so angry. Frankenstein is. Obviously, the you know he is a monster. He is a villain, um, especially in 2022. You know the Frankenstein that's like green and like Keller said has the bolts and the scar on him. Yes, like we know what that he's the monster. We know he's the villain. But the reason why I think that he's such a good villain, and we're going to get into this, is that he is not what you think he is. And he is, to me, he's not actually the villain mm. of the story. And I think that the book is actually a very, very tragic, um, sad, mm. sad story. Because... He's more of a victim. He, yeah, I think villain. he's more of a victim who, you you know, who maybe commits evil acts or who who acts out in ways that obviously aren't good but i don't think that i it's one of those things where it's like he was pushed far enough and i so to get into it all is i think for me obviously everyone kind of has their own interpretation of it but frankenstein is a tale he's a villain that's meant to reflect the bad parts of humanity back at us because he's created against his will 
and he literally looks like a monster. He's horrific. He doesn't look like a normal person. He's busted. Yeah, he's busted. So, Dr. Frankenstein creates him, sets him out into the world, and humanity completely rejects him and is horrified. But he doesn't understand. All he wants is acceptance. All he wants, he goes out seeking community, seeking fellowship and love from other humans because his creator has already rejected him because his creator is horrified by him, which that in itself is a parable. You know, that he, his, made, he made it, he made him, but he was horrified at his own creation. I think that's the two stories in the whole thing is that one is the, the tale of the crimes that we commit at our own hands and the ways that, you know, the way in which that we f- inflict trauma and pain on each other in the way that the creator of the monster rejects his creation. Like that in itself is a story and is a parable, but he goes out into the world and is completely rejected by humanity. And it is, it's that this is why, like I encourage you to read it because it's so, it makes you think about how we constantly, we don't change as a people. Rarely do we change. And we're, we reject anyone who doesn't act or look or think like us. Anyone who has a little bit of difference, anyone who has a little bit of something weird or odd about them, or not even odd, they just don't look like us. They just don't act like us. We are quick to reject we're quick to turn away. You see that story play out of the way that humanity rejects people and rejects outsiders. And that's what happened to Frankenstein. And so he lashed out at humanity and he ended up killing um, Dr. Frankenstein's fiance in retaliation. Mm. Because all he wanted was love. All he wanted was companionship. And he not only have been rejected by humanity, but by his own creator, by his father. Mm. Um, That's why people say that it's a modern day Prometheus. Okay. We won't get into that. (laughs) Keller's shaking his head at me. He doesn't know what Prometheus is, but if you know, you know, (laughs) but I just think that this story is so rich with, darkness um i think that we don't see a lot of stories like this where we see the cracks in the mirror we see the dirtiness of humanity we see the pain and the the grime you know the way that we hurt each other the the way that we lash out at people it's so that is the villain is humanity that Mm. is the villain is the way that we treat each other is the way that we hurt other people the way that we reject them for no good reason um and a lot of times like i think that this is another theme of it is that we create our own monsters like so we do things to other people and create a monster out of them. 
Mm. You know, we hurt someone so badly or vice versa. Someone hurts us so badly. Something traumatizes us so badly that it creates the worst version of ourselves. It's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy where... It one thousand percent is i He's almost like, oh, well, wrote that in my notes the world thinks i'm a monster already so why so i'm gonna I, lean i'm in. gonna show i'm a monster yeah kind of thing yeah or it's like you you created me you literally brought me here you know you created this situation for yourself and then you spit on me you kicked me you punished me you crucified me and you don't think that I'm going to react. You don't think that I'm going to have a response. Mm. So, and, and that's the thing is Dr. Frankenstein, he like begs for, you know, mercy. And he's like, you're beyond mercy. You had so many chances to give me mercy. So he doesn't kill Dr. Frankenstein? No, he kills his fiance mm. in retaliation or his mm. wife. I can't remember if it was his fiance or wife. Yeah. But that's the whole thing is it's like we we or vice versa, you know, someone does it to us. Like we want mercy after the, after the, the bad thing has already happened. We beg for forgiveness after we have committed the crime or someone begs us forgiveness after they have punished and hurt us. A very deep villain or character. Yeah. Very deep, metaphorical. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's definitely a parable for life. It's so funny how my brain works or doesn't work, and yours works because you you told me, you know, going into this to look up villains that I liked, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the villains that spoke to me or, or iconic villains and. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. And all all of yours have been uh you know very deep, layered, metaphorical, um nuanced villains that have some type of overarching, you know, philosophical implication or discussion <laughs> about the world and society at large. <laughs> My number one villain on my list is, is Hades from the animated Disney Her- Hercules. To be fair, he is a good as fuck villain. Because I and was that's like, a good as hey, fuck movie. I like him. He's funny. He's hilarious. No, he is so. He that movie is it's great. It, it's great. It doesn't always have to be super. Like it doesn't have to be a fucking essay on it. You know, it's. Sometimes they just are a good villain. Um, I like, was just very surface level of like, I like him <laughs> or her. Or whatever. They they were a good villain. I like they. I like they. <laughs> On the opposite coin, talking about Scream and Ghostface and how that traumatized me as a child. Yeah. Hercules, the animated movie. It saved you from your childhood trauma. Oh, it. Raised you from the depths of hell. Me. It inspired me. I mean, it was... You listen to that song where he's going to the temple. Oh, I went the distance. <laughs> I went the distance. So, so... In I marching rem- band. I remember when I was a kid, 
the the toy in a in the Happy Meal. When oh, this was the good days of good McDonald's toys. The, the toy was a CD. No. Uh, yes, it was a CD with all Disney uh, animated Classics. soundtracks. So it had Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid. Oh, they would it never had do that shit now. Go the Distance from Hercules. It had a bunch of Lion King song. It had all these bangers on it. Right? Yes, yes. And that was the toy in the Happy Meal. And so I went home. I remember sitting you know in my. What? That just brought back a memory. I do think I remember getting CDs. As and it would, it would come in the little plastic shrink, plastic wrap. I, get, I threw that shit away immediately and put it in the player. And I was jamming. <laughs> But I remember being at my grandma's house and listening to I Can Go the Distance, the Hercules song. Oh, probably multiple times. Oh, I cry when I listen to it now. Oh, God. I remember listening to that song over and over and over again. And and Under the Sea, too. I listened to Under the Sea. That was a good one. It's a great fucking song. But I went back and forth. But that, the Hercules song, and I would listen to it and I would be Hercules. I can go the distance. Oh yeah, I mean, I was I was like looking up in the sky, and you're like, and I was like, you're like, Zeus is my father. I will find my way. way. I will go the distance. And I was like, I'm going. The oh, I distance thought we were gonna do today. like a full sing along. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, that was the flip side. That inspired me as a kid. That well, gave me so much hope. That's as good of a reason. As any. And he is a great villain. I've loved that movie. And a big part of the reason I love that movie is because of Hades. Because he's sarcastic. I know, he's like great. snappy, witty, funny. He's great. So, all these victims have... Not victims. <laughs> what am I talking about? All, all of these villains. villains have redeeming qualities, it seems. Or maybe they don't, but we... I don't know if it's redeeming qualities or it's that we... We like them. I think it's like, I mean, that's, that's true. But I think that it's, it's, we also see parts of ourselves in them. And there's like this, not all of it, obviously. Like, I don't dream of murdering people, you know. But I think that there is elements of characters. Like you said, like, there's a sense of freedom. There's a sense of being able to live life without any rules or boundaries or expectations and, and doing that, living the life that you want without society, you know, saying how they feel about it. Right. I think that we, we kind of see pieces of ourselves in that. I also think that, Every hero is only as good as a villain, you know. So you can have a great hero, but if the villain ain't matching him or better, then it, the character is going to fall short. And I think that some here or some villains, excuse me, are just great on their own. You know, the Frankenstein's, the Dracula's, and I was I was going to comment on this, but we're running out of time for the episode today, so we'll have to talk on it later but um my fifth villain was darth vader and mm. i mean we could do a whole episode on him just by himself but right, right. um that'll be for a later episode yeah so darth vader was number five and then some honorable mentions that i had were the phantom of the opera because i think he's another villain who is 
in the movie and in the play and in the book, he is the villain character. He fits the antagonist role, but he is not black and white. Hmm. And I think that there is so much about him. It's like, he has the tragic backstory. He is a seductive villain. He has that same kind of quality as Dracula does, where it's like, you don't want him to be the villain. You don't want him to kill people. And one thing to know about Lauren is Phantom of the Opera is her jam. Well, that and Star Wars, yeah. Yeah, yeah both of those things. Yeah. But, I mean, it's like absurd how much those are a part of my DNA as a human being. I, all of my friends know it. Kristen actually just sent me a TikTok the other day, and it was a phantom TikTok. And she was like, I, as soon as I saw this, I had to send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. You love it. My last honorable mention was it, the Pennywise the Clown. It. Mm. And I just think that that's just a great fucking scary villain. It was Tim Curry or Skarsgård? Which one do you like better? Skarsgård. Now, Tim Curry in any other role ever. Every time I think of Tim Curry, I think of a scary movie where he has really long nipples. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think... I think of Rocky I just Horror. Think, yeah, yeah. I just think of Tim Curry actually Horror. having those nipples like all the time. <laughs> so every time I think of Tim Curry, I'm like, oh yeah, he has really long nipples. <laughs> he does it. No, he <laughs> does it. It's like prosthetic nipples. From a scary, scary movie. He has long nipples. So every time I see his face, I'm like, I'm like... Under that shirt is some, some hefty nips. Some hefty nips. Some hefty nips. He's got some puff nips. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I I definitely want to talk about Darth Vader in another episode. So we we'll have to do a uh, villains part two at some point because there's just a. I think they des- they deserve it. Yeah, uh, and yeah. and also I want to hear your picks. I want to know what you've got going on in in your villain world. <laughs> oh God! It like it's it's like a that's so Raymond thing where it goes it goes into your brain right now and it's just white noise in your brain. <laughs> that's that's twenty four hours a day. Yeah, it's just white just... noise from an old TV. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, that's our villains for today, and thank you for making it this far into the episode and hanging out with us. Um, We wanted to get it a little bit spooky today. We wanted to talk about a little spooky, spooky topic. It is October. It it is spooky month. and we do have Halloween. Yeah, we do have some some things planned. We might have some things in store for Halloween. Up our spooky sleeve, if you will. (laughs) How many times can you say spooky? (laughs) but um yeah thank you like i said thank you for hanging out with us um i enjoyed talking about this um i love horror movies and i i do love a villain or two so yeah and thank god we finally did this episode because like i said it has been a mountain a mountainous effort to get to this point yes and we send our well wishes to lauren and hopefully she feels Better. I hope so too, because it's been a little bit of a marathon this week, getting all my tasks done. So have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Um, follow us on Instagram, and you can keep up with all of our 
happenings, all of our topics. It's at In the Midnight Hour Pod. If you want to, you don't have to. Give us a five-star review. It helps us out. Share with your friends, with your fam, with your loved ones. I don't know. Share it with your friends with benefits if they're into that kind of thing. But, Yeah. yeah. Have a great weekend. Love you. Get some sleep.